Good morning. Good morning. It's nice to see you. As my, yes, as my brother would say, is it good to see me? But you tempt fate, I think, if you say that. Right. Colossians chapter 3. We're going to pile in. Here we go. Reading from verse 12, picking up where we were last week, really. Therefore, as God's chosen people... Holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. That's where we camped out last week. And jumping down to verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude to your hearts, in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Okay, so if you've been tracking with us, you'll uh, know that we've had a list of imperatives that, that jump out of uh, Colossians chapter 3. We're working our way through those. We've reached number 6 out of 7, and that is uh, verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Today we are going to dig into just this one verse. In fact, half of the verse, really. It says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. So that's the verse. Uh, we're going to take a quick look at the, at the Greek words that, uh, so, so we can define our terms. And having had my Hebrew firmly put into its place yesterday, I'm not going to attempt to translate any Greek words. You had to be there, but it was good. So the first word is the word peace. Uh, and peace is, is, is that inner sense of tranquility. It's contented untroubled, undisturbed well-being. It's a secure and unflappable and settled heart. You see, you're already thinking, I need myself some more of that. So I got your attention. Of course, the Jewish concept was shalom, and that represented actually, it, it was more than just peace. It represented all that we needed for, for health and well-being of spirit, soul, and body. The next word on the list, the peace of Christ, is the word Christos. I don't think I can butcher that one. Perhaps I can. That, of course, the word means anointed one. And the point here is, is we're talking about the peace of Christ as opposed to any other kind of peace or any other source of peace or, or even the kind of phony counterfeit peace that the world might try to sell you. The next word, let the peace of Christ rule. The word here in the Greek actually paints a picture with Wimbledon coming up. It paints a picture of, of an umpire or a referee. Well, one whose job was to, was to moderate or adjudicate in the ancient world those athletic gladiatorial games and sports that were so popular back then. So let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. The idea is that when there's a, when there's a clash, or when there's a dispute, or, or when there's a close call, 
someone has to adjudicate for one side or the other, the referee or the umpire. In this case, either adjudicate for the peace of Christ on one hand or for something else on the other. And then the fourth and final word in that verse is the word heart, cardia, which, which is the, the, the seat and the centre of your spiritual life. Your heart is, is more than the place from which you love. It's more than the seat of feelings and emotions. It's your deep inner being. It's where your mind ponders and your emotions swirl and your choices are thrashed out. It's the spiritual part of you, what the Apostle Peter called the hidden man of the heart. It's that place deep inside of you where, where, where God's spirit and your spirit commune together. Okay, so pulling all of that together, in your heart, someone or something is ruling. There's an umpire right in the middle of depths of your psyche that is making the calls, that, that is causing you to come down on one side or the other. And Paul in this verse is saying, let it be the peace of Christ. And it goes without saying, I think, that if the peace of Christ is ruling, then we are all infinitely better off. You are better off. They are better off, and anyone else likely to be caught in the crossfire is better off. Which leads, I think, naturally to, to the question, what is it that is ruling in your heart? Who are the contestants? Who's wrestling and jostling for control? Who or, or what are, are, are competing for your attention? competing for control and influence in the roller coaster ride of your heart. Spend a little bit of time there. What are the other potential rulers? And the idea, I think, is these are the forces inside of you that are going to set themselves up in direct opposition to the peace of Christ that Paul is saying we need to have ruling. Okay, eight on my list. The first one is fear. Anyone ever had their decisions made by fear? Anyone ever found fear rising up and starting to overly influence, starting to control your, your decisions, your relationships? And of course, if we listen to our fears, there's a danger that they start to lead us. And they're likely to lead us to overreactions. And actually, they're likely to lead us into poor decisions. Faith decisions are always so much better than fear decisions. At the end of the day, that probably comes down to who or to what is ruling in your heart. Second one, second contestant, second opponent, I'm going to call stress and anxiety. You know, how often does the stress and anxiety sabotage our thoughts or, or cloud our judgment, or divert us away from the promises of God. Number three on my list is, I'm going to call ease and comfort. 
the path of least resistance. Are you ever led by the path of least resistance? And I suspect the answer is yes. You know, this one quickly, quickly weighs up the factors and the options, that, that referee umpire, and chooses the one, chooses the option that leads to, to safety and leads to familiarity. Sometimes that's a good thing, sometimes not so much. Fourth one on my list is self-preservation. Now I'm going to suspect that you probably are one of these three creatures. You're probably a flamingo. Sorry, sorry, I'll start again. You're probably an ostrich. Don't worry, I wrote flamingo. What's an ostrich do? Just be- They stand on one leg, don't they? Okay, not quite sure how I had flamingo on my list. Ostrich, what it meant. I mean, almost the same thing. So an ostrich, of course, buries its head in the sand. Crisis? What crisis? Next creature on my list is the hedgehog. Hedgehog, hedgehog curls up into a, ball, into a ball and sticks out all their prickles. And the third one is the tortoise, the one who just curls themselves up into the safety and security of that shell. The question is, is there a strong urge to self-protect that overrules everything else? Number five, we're digging slowly deeper here. Number five is deep insecurities. Are there places you just won't go? Are there types of people you avoid? Are, are there guards on your heart that you just can't override? And if any of that is the case, that they may well stop love and wisdom from being able to do their work because ultimately you're going to be ruled by the umpire. The, the controlling factor is going to be that, that deep insecurity. The next one is, is similar. The next one is, is hurt and woundedness. What, what wounds are you protecting? What pain are you medicating? What triggers are you avoiding? A couple of strong statements. Number one, pain is a poor leader. Number two, familiar line, hurting people hurt people. Nearly there. Number six, my list is anger or frustration or, or disappointment or, or outrage, which seems to be the word of the day. Those forces all shout loud. They're all demanding and imposing, and they can easily drown out that inner voice of peace. And the last one had to be on my list is unforgiveness. Unforgiveness closes the door to certain people and to certain relationships. You know, it is not good news if you have unresolved offence and lingering resentment making your decisions for you. Here's the point. All of those contestants are all going to take us in very different directions. They'll take you to very different places. They'll lead you to very different decisions. They'll produce very different fruit to the peace of Christ. And again, the bottom line is we are so much better off when the peace of Christ rules in your heart and it rules in your value system, when it rules in your, your thinking and your decision-making, when it rules in your relationships and your reactions, 
when it rules in your moods and attitudes. So again, back to what Paul said, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. You have to let it. You, you have to allow that peace to rule. You have to let it influence and lead you. You have to give it dominance and control. You need to stop resisting it. You need to stop ignoring it. And instead, you need to listen to and cooperate with it at all times. Okay, that's the intro done. Now, my pastor in, in Peterborough, who's celebrating 25 years of ministry, he used to get about 45 minutes into his message and say, and that's the introduction done. And we kind of all groaned. He had about five minutes to go. But anyway, that, that is the introduction. Here's the big idea that I want you to get this morning. We usually think about peace. We usually talk about peace as being a desirable outcome. You know, if, if things work out okay, if I make good decisions, if they are nice to me, then I will sleep like a baby. But in this context, we're talking about peace as being a powerful spiritual force. Thinking about this, in the, in the, in the passage about the armor of God, Paul talks about peace as being part of our spiritual weaponry. Ephesians 6 verse 15, reading for the Amplified, Stand therefore, hold your ground, having strapped on your feet the gospel of peace in preparation to face the enemy with firm-footed stability and readiness produced by the good news. Who knew that peace could do all of that? Here's the point. Peace is supposed to be active, not passive. Peace is not, it's not just a, a nice feeling. It's not just a quiet life. Peace is a powerful, active, living transforming, reconciling spiritual force. It's a force that, that reflects the heart and mind of God. It's a force that draws people to Him. It's a force that reconciles relationships. It's a force that stands secure on His Word and trusts wholeheartedly on Him. So in that sense, peace is, is not about ease and comfort. It's, it's not about the path of least resistance. It, it's not about trouble-free. It's not about the absence of aggravation or stress factors in your world. It's not about warm, fuzzy. It's not about quiet and serene, sleepy and restful. This, this is not so much about, about what peace feels like. This is about what peace does. It's about a, a force deep at work within your heart, a supernatural power that guides and leads and dictates and brings everything into order, aligns everything under the dominion of Christ where it belongs. In other words, peace is not so much an outcome as an action not so much a, a feeling as a force. And here we go. 
Peace shouldn't just, shouldn't just be the outcome of your godly decisions. It will be. Peace shouldn't just be the outcome of your godly decisions. It should be the driving force that makes those decisions. It's not, if my circumstances work out, I should have peace. But I already have peace. And therefore, I'm going to unleash it. I'm, I'm going to set it to work in and amongst my circumstances. Because Colossians 3 verse 15 says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. I want to dig that just a little bit deeper. I want to come at it from a slightly different angle and look for a second at what Jesus said about peace. Two verses, John 14, 27. I am leaving you with a gift. Gift, remember that word. And that gift is peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. And then a couple of chapters later, John 16, 33, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Here's a bit, bit that we tend to remember. In this world you will have trouble. Yes and amen. But take heart, Jesus said, for I have overcome the world. What Jesus is saying in these two verses is you have peace. It's yours. It's, it's a position that you stand in. It's a gift you've been given. It's a resource that you can draw from. You know, you have peace because Jesus has reconciled you by his blood. You have peace because the spirit of peace abides in your heart. And you have peace because your heavenly father kind of rules the universe. And Jesus is saying here, there will be trouble ahead. Storms are inevitable. But I have given you peace. I've given you a gift the world just cannot give. You need to put, here's the punch, you need to put that peace to work. I don't think Jesus is saying here that, that you need to just relax and lie back. Don't worry, Jesus says, I'll smooth everything out for you. You can chill and sip champagne and I'll feed you grapes and chocolate hearts. What it does mean is that right in the middle of that inevitable trouble, I have given you a spiritual force of peace that you can unleash, that you can set to work, that you can use to accomplish kingdom purposes. And take heart, Jesus said, I have overcome the world. And that peace, which is resident in your heart, is a powerful weapon at your disposal. Okay, that's the theory. Now it's time to get practical. We've looked at the, the what, we've looked at the why, I think. It's time for the how. I'm going to give you some keys this morning to walking in peace. Now, now, given the, the various contestants fighting for attention in your heart, remember those? Given the, the swirl of difficult and demanding circumstances we all face, we just read about that. 
given the strong pull of emotion and, dare I say, impulsiveness that we all wrestle with, how do we go about walking in peace? How do we, how do we give the peace of Christ the influence in our hearts that it deserves? How do we allow it to rule in our hearts? And I've got three ideas that I really believe will help you. We'll just go through those quickly. Number one, key to walking in peace is to choose in what, or perhaps better stated, in whom you are going to place your trust. Just think about that for a minute. I don't think that's very deep, but it's a very strong statement. A couple of verses for you. Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. There's the connection right there between trust and peace so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. There's another big clue. And then Isaiah 26, verse 3, famous verse, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Remember the, the point, the key to peace is choosing in what or in whom you are going to place your trust. So ultimately, it comes down to who are you trusting? Are you trusting God, or is it yourself? Is it, is it the promises of God that you are trusting, or is it your circumstances? Is it your faith, or is it your feelings? Is it his peace, or is it your best and most determined effort? Here's a little gem of a verse that I love. Use often uh, Job 22, verse 21 says, Submit to God and be at peace with Him. In this way, prosperity will come to you. Really simple but powerful message. Submit to God and be at peace. Just to flip that for a second, you will not find peace in any part of your life that is not submitted. God. Any, any relationship or, or any hurt, any emotion, any opinion or agenda that, that is not submitted to God will invariably work against the operation of peace in your heart. That's the point. You have to submit everything to him. You have to trust in the Lord with all your heart. You have to stand on the rock of his word. Because if you truly do trust in him, you will have peace. But if you trust in anything or anybody else, your peace is in jeopardy. Because key number one is choose in what or in whom you are going to place your trust. One of the reasons we sing these great big God songs every Sunday morning, thank you worship team, is to remind ourselves who is the God in whom we are placing our trust. Where is the rock upon which we are supposed to stand? Which side of the victory line are we supposed to live? That was key number one. Key number two is to recognize and reject the antagonizers. I need to apologize. The word antagonizers is not a real word, apparently. 
but it should be. Recognize and reject the antagonizers. Probably antagonists, I think. 2 Timothy 2, verse 22. 2, 22. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. The idea is there are some things you need to run away from and there are some things you need to actively pursue in your life. And one of them on that list, of course, is peace. Earlier I gave you a, a long list of opponents or, or competitors or, or imposters trying to grab your attention, trying try to wrestle control of your heart. The question is, do you know what they are? Do you, do, do you recognize them? And perhaps more importantly, do you know which ones tend to come for you? You see, first we... First we recognize them, then we weigh them, and only then can we disempower them. Once they have been firmly rejected, that fear, that stress, that hurt, once it's been firmly rejected, then the peace of God can take over. Here's the line, if you, if you can ignore the clamor, if you ignore the noise, if you can ignore the attention-grabbing, then you can draw from the deep well of the peace of God. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Here we go. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. To which I'd say, thank God for that surpassing peace. Thank God for that anointing of peace that comes from Christ, the anointed one. That peace will, will, will guard your hearts. It will guard your mind. That peace will protect you and preserve you and sustain you. That peace, Psalm 23, will make you lie down in green pastures. It will lead you beside the still waters. It will refresh your soul. It will guide you along the paths of righteousness. But just for a second, with the rest of Colossians 3 in mind, going back to the last couple of weeks, the peace of Christ will never rule in your hearts. If Colossians 3 verse 1, if you have your mind set on things below. It will not rule in your hearts until you have put to death the earthly nature. It will never rule in your hearts unless you rid yourself of the anger and the rage and the malice. It will never rule in your hearts until you are clothed last week in that love and that kindness and that patience. And the peace of, of Christ will never rule in your hearts until you've learned to forgive because that lingering pain will continue to rule. Summarizing all that, if the old you, if the carnal self, the, the flesh, the residue of the sinful nature, if that is the dominating factor, then the peace of God will never be able to rule. If, however, if you can recognize and reject those antagonizers, then peace can take over and lead you to infinitely better Amen.
third and final one is, uh, the third key to, to walking in peace is do what peace demands. Uh, my friend Guy Chevrolet said, said, secular peace is the cessation of conflict. Shalom is the presence of a person. I love that. So the point is peace it is a person, not a thing. Because one of Jesus' names is Prince of Peace. You know, and that, and that person is, is on the inside of you. He's attempting to lead you. He's whispering words of wisdom. We would be well advised to listen. You know, learning to recognize the inner voice of peace is just as important as, important as disempowering all the other voices. Of course, the key is, is when he speaks, when that peace starts to bubble up, do exactly what he says. Don't procrastinate. Don't, don't reason yourself out of it. Do exactly what it says. You know, sometimes peace may make a hard demand. Sometimes peace might be counterintuitive. You know, sometimes your flesh just will not like it but we must allow it to lead nevertheless. James 3, verse 17, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. In verse 18, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Here's what that tells me. It's not going to change your life just because you've thought it. It's not going to change your voice, your life just because you've heard the voice. You must learn to obey what it says. You must follow where it leads. You must heed its warnings. And you must patiently trust that, that peace seeds reap a harvest of righteousness. Let's wrap all that up, pull it all together. Finish with some good news. I think it's all good news, actually. This is particularly good news. If the peace of Christ rules in your heart, what can you have? Four things that you can have if the peace of Christ rules in your heart. Number one, you can have spiritual health and well-being. My word. Isn't that, isn't that the buzz right now? Mental health. I mean, you can have that shalom. You can have that contentedness. Yes, please. You can have that wholeness. You can have that security and stability. That all of that is available to you if you will allow the peace of Christ to rule in your heart. The second thing you can have is you can have reconciled relationships. 2 Corinthians 13, 11. And finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration, encourage one another, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. You know, peace will always lead you towards God. 
It will always lead you towards love and grace. It will always lead you towards transformation and reconciliation. Why on earth wouldn't you go where peace leads? Romans 12, verse 18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, if that wasn't good enough, there's two more. Number three is you can have spiritual rather than carnal responses and outcomes. Romans 8, verse 6 says, The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Very similar verse, Colossians 3.15. Here we go. Peace as a force on the front end will lead to peace as an outcome on the back end. Peace seed leads to peace fruit. And, and letting peace rule will lead you away from carnality and will lead you towards spiritual maturity. We're nearly there. The fourth, fourth benefit of, of, of letting that peace of Christ rule in your heart is, is unity. We can call it oneness. And read 3.15 again. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart since as members of one body you are called to peace. Ephesians 4 verse 3 says, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. How? Through the bond of peace. You know what? We as God's church are called to peace. And if as a church we allow peace to rule, we allow peace to lead, we allow peace to adjudicate, then we can have the beautiful, powerful fruit of unity as we know, is not only God's desire for his church, it's also a very powerful force in its own right. Okay, so there, we're pretty much done. If I can ask the worship team to make their way back to the front, please, and um, I'll tell you how we're going to respond to this today. And um, I've got three challenges for you. I think they're going to appear on the screen, I think. There we go. Three, three questions for you. Again, some of these might dig a little bit under your ribs. I make no apology for that. I mean, you came this morning. You wanted to hear the word of God. You got it. Okay, but now the question comes, what are you going to do about it? The best thing I think you can do is to respond to what the Lord has been challenging you with. Maybe you're feeling slightly uncomfortable about that, that little Holy Spirit dig under the ribs. You know what that feels like. I'd, I'd suggest take these questions to the Lord. Do, do some business with him this morning and ask him what he wants you to do in response to this word. Okay, and there's three challenge questions. Question number one is, is there anything you need to submit to God today so you can have peace? Anything you need to submit? So any area of your life where you're kind of wrestling and tussling, you're, you're resisting at the moment, you're refusing to let go or lay down or forgive or forget, whatever it is, is there anything today you need to submit to God? And you know anything you need to submit to God because that is the doorway that will open for you into the peace of Christ. So challenge number one, is there anything you need to submit to God today? Number two is, 
slightly more touchy feeling right now where we are? Are there any issues in your life right now that are currently shaking your peace? That's understandable. As, as we read earlier, there's trouble. That There are storms. You might be right in the middle of one of those right now. The question is, are, are there any issues that, you are, that are currently shaking your peace that, that our prayer ministry team can pray for today? Perhaps I could put it like this. Are, are, are any of those other contestants that, that we listed, are they, they competing for your heart? And you could do with a little bit of help, perhaps in one of those areas. Let our team come and pray for you. And then challenge number three, kind of similar in a way, is as you ponder this morning, as the Lord whispers in your ears, what is peace leading you to do on the front end, to sow seed into, to unleash, if you like, upon your circumstances? So we've got to put peace to work because peace is a force, not just an outcome. And I don't know what you're facing right now. It may be a relational schism, it may be a real challenge, a mountain, whatever it is, ask the question, what would peace do? Because as I read, and as I recall, this verse says, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Let the peace of Christ lead you. That's the question again. What is, is the peace of God leading you to do? What seed is it calling you to sow today into that circumstance that you are facing right now? Morning's coming to 